Welcome to episode 15 of Expanding Beyond, our first episode of 2021. Uh, the break was a bit longer than we had planned, but I mean, it's still, uh, the virus is still around. It's, it was just, at least for me, it was just too much. I have two kids at home who need to be homeschooled now. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is the first weekend where it's more or less possible to do stuff again. True. There were the holidays in between and uh, going back to uh, to work is already a handful. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's time. We can take <laughs> our time. Yeah. Um, although... Welcome back, everyone. Yeah, welcome back. Although during uh, that time, I ended up uh, signing a new contract for a new Ooh, company. Congrats. Uh, basically for... The company I came from, mm -hmm. uh, I guess I, I probably shouldn't go on air for the reasons, but <laughs> <laughs> for, I mean, their leaving was super hard because it's a great company. So let's leave it at that, I guess. Okay. And yeah, so I've been at work again for the last two weeks and I think I have written, I've worked on one ticket. I think in that mm. time and then the rest of the time I've basically spent uh, thinking about certain architecture changes and stuff like that, that I, that we eventually need to do. And then I have in my head and then that I need to sort of fully form and I feel I need to get them out of my head before I leave so that someone else can eventually do that. I was about to say, what's going to happen to that JavaScript application? Uh, well, there's, there is someone else. Who does Who's JavaScript gonna cover already. it with test? Uh, that I'm not so sure about. <laughs> <laughs> I must say. Uh, what but, did I do since yeah. the last time we had a chance to talk publicly? Um, I on purpose, not on purpose. I had a lot of days off uh, to take. If, mm -hmm. So that's that's what I did. I had uh, literally a month of holidays. Yeah, and. On so did purpose, my kids. <laughs> this is really on purpose. I didn't do anything about work. I just mm -hmm. switched my brain off and didn't look at any newsletter, any book, any topic that could even remotely remind me of work. I seriously needed to uh, to take time off and um, and rest. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that I think it has had uh, a, a very positive effect. Um, I'm more relaxed. I, I'm a little bit more centered, uh, less anxious. I sleep better. Um, and I'm one month, actually one month and a half in my uh, adventure with a uh, guitar. So oh, I nice. learned something new. <laughs> yeah, I, I managed two weeks in the holidays without any programming and touching anything. And then I started to start and then I picked up a Haskell book. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the picture. <laughs> and now that I'm back at work, I haven't really looked at it anymore because it's just too much. Instead, yes. I sat there and watched, started watching The Mandalorian. <laughs> hmm, interesting. <laughs> because sometimes you that. just have to get away from the stuff, I guess. Yes. You see, this is the, the pendulum, you know, like when you have enough time then uh, and you are rested enough, then you can dedicate some time to those things if it's... 
that is always what it has been for me. Like I do that every day in all day. Do I really need to do it also after work? Yeah. So that's yeah. how I ended up not doing any programming out of working hours. I mean, yeah. I had some years where I actually did that also in the evening, mm -hmm. uh, but not these days anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I and want to do other stuff. Yes. Now. Uh, that's, uh, that's the other part. Like if you have other interests or if you have other obligations, uh, and I don't mean it in a judgmental way, like you have people or things that you have to see or you have to tend to, then it's just not enough time. Yeah. And I think that could be normalized a little bit more. Um, that's why I'm yes. bringing the topic up. <laughs> yeah, that that's always this, oh, you need to have open source projects on GitHub if you want to uh, get hired somewhere, which sort of selects for white, somewhat middle-class uh, high school students, yes. <laughs> sort of, right? So that, or university that is what, students. I, what I suggested to a, a friend of mine that is currently, uh, he's moving from product to uh, engineering, but he hasn't had his first gig. He did a boot camp. Uh, he has done some things, personal projects on the side, but he hasn't any working experience in uh, in as a software engineer. Yeah, and that's what I uh, what I suggested to him. Like, there's some resources out there that you can look at. Uh, like, uh, what what was the name? Uh, Good first contribution, something like that. There's a we can put some links in the in the show notes for who wants to contribute to good first issues on on open source. And there you can build a bit of a portfolio, because what's interesting is that you can uh, if you have PRs out there, people can also see how you interact with people. So it's not exactly yeah. as at work, but, you know, it can simulate pretty, pretty good how you are able to communicate. How do you take criticism? This kind of thing. So it's valuable info to have out there. But on the other side, most of us do work for private companies and, and our private repos cannot be out there. Um, so what do you do? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because... Also, what I found is that most of my open source code is not up to the standard that I want it to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I think, yeah, uh, if I want to show this off, I have to say, yeah, but that's not how I would write it because it's all a bit of a mess. So it's always, I mean, even I, I'm super into testing and making sure mm -hmm. that this is all cleaned up and refactored. Even I do that, don't do that for my open source projects that I work on my own huh. and stuff like that. So it's why. It's just there's not enough time. Mm -hmm. If you work on stuff like for maybe half an hour, that's your time slot. Mm. Then you just have to see what what you can do and what you can't do. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, some projects are just difficult or impossible to test because maybe they're too legacy, or you know, the test suit doesn't fail. Uh, you fix one of the issues that are on the repo and then everything fails and it's like eh. uh, so it's a it can be tricky because also some of those projects are there since ages now and it's not yeah. that easy to uh to test a legacy code base mm. as you know from the javascript thing yeah i mean this is also i mean that's the other thing it's I mean, writing tests is important, but it is often not as much fun. And in, if you do stuff on the side, then you lean mm. more towards 
doing the fun things and not what needs to be done if this were an actual project. I think uh, that's that's what makes me weird. I seriously like writing tests. Yeah, but not after the fact, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> These after are the difficult. fact is always a bit of a... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more complicated. Also because very likely you're going to find issues um, that if you would have tested in advance, you wouldn't have. And then if you make the test, the test doesn't pass, and then it's uh, yak shaping. Yeah, so I, I did put my project into my my CV, but mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that has any effect or it doesn't. I don't know. I put my GitHub on my on my CV, and that's it. Yeah. You, they can go and look at all the beautiful uh, uh, advent of code. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I spend a bit more time because I'm actually ha I actually have a project which has mm -hmm. more than a thousand users, so that's already mm. something. But still, I don't know. No one has ever asked me about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they might be looking at it. You don't yeah, know. Maybe. Yeah. All right. So this leads us already into your topic. Yeah, actually, yes. CVs. We thought about reversing the thing, but. Uh, Uh, actually makes a lot of sense. I've been looking at a few CVs lately and I uh, because we're we're hiring for for a few positions, not only engineering but also like uh, sorry software engineers but also uh, managers so uh, engineering mm -hmm. managers. And I thought you know it's about time that I start cleaning up mine because last time I touched it, I went and looked at the file. It was 2015. <laughs> That's some time ago. That's long <laughs> There's ago, some yeah. history there. Um, first of all, I know I heard this advice countless times and I didn't listen to it, but please do listen to this. Do keep it updated because you will forget. You will forget what you have done. I Indeed. have yeah. this clear... So I tried to walk back from today to my former positions. And um, the what I'm doing right now, I cannot remember because it's like it's one year and a half. It's not too long of a time. Maybe I don't remember all the details, but, you know, some projects, the most important ones, I can still remember what, what they look like and what, what did they move. Um, the former position, the backend lead, I was like, in my brain, It's only one year and a half ago, but it's so long ago that I barely remember things. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty confident I did some things. Maybe not a lot, but I did some things and mm -hmm. I don't remember. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, keep keep it updated. Or if even if you don't keep the CV updated, do take some space in your diary, in your um, notebook, whatever you have, your favorite text editor for listing the things that you have done. Um, you don't need a lot of details. Uh, it's maybe just the name of the project or a couple of things here and there. Do that because <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. will forget. Yeah. yeah. I at some point did was basically go on random interviews every six months or mm. so. And then you need to have your CV updated and you practice a bit interviewing, yes. which is also a skill that is different from the actual job, unfortunately. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, I found that that is a muscle that gets very uh, forgotten uh, and then just disappears. 
and it's more difficult than to um at least at the beginning like you have to to take into account a ramp up period but yes. then sometimes don't you cannot the, afford that don't go on the most important interviews first go exactly. to the ones you're not That's as what I was interested about to in say, yeah. like, exactly that and if you are like me that you are not exactly looking for something then maybe a great opportunity comes by and you're like what about now what should I do? Mm. <laughs> I don't know how to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there, advice, uh, pick a friend and ask them to, you know, simulate an interview with you. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a, a, that's good, good training. Especially if they are from, from a slightly different sector, like for example, a product manager. So they, they ask questions that you are not, you know, used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be could be helpful. So yeah, I was uh, I was cleaning my my resume and uh, so uh, with the with this friend of mine we went backwards. I was like, okay, what did I do here? What did I do there? Um, and I tried to to shape it. So first of all, concise because it's um, it's something that hiring managers and uh, and HR people should see and understand in a glimpse. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you're going, if you're aiming for companies that uh, are big or they are especially palatable for people, everybody wants to work at X, then you need to be, um, it, you need to have something that people can just, you know, go quickly by and understand what are your competences, what are your skills and how you apply them. Yeah. So you really want to want to struck their eyes. Um, and this is across the board. It doesn't really matter if you're a leadership or not. So I did that. And uh, and then, um, by the way, uh, I figured out, okay, this is, I can say it later. But um, so it ended up being two pages. And mm-hmm. I also removed like a couple of very early on experiences because uh, they were, one was an internship. Other ones were like, I was right out of the internship. So it's like, what's yeah. the value of that? Um, and instead of the, my former CV had a paragraph or a couple of paragraphs in the, in the beginning where it would be something that people could read and where I would try and give an impression of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a few lines that would describe what, what are my goals? Why, why, what, what do I want, um, from, from my next job? What is interesting of me? And what interests me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how can I contribute to to your team? I have what I recall is that in my former CV, I was uh, I wrote something like, um, "I have a son in this position, and I do work well in teams," because I know that I'm. It's not difficult for me to get along with people, and most of the time, in hindsight, most of the times, uh, I am a happy person i am a cheerful person to have around like i don't get easily bummed out Uh, Mm -hmm. so it can contribute to a certain kind of vibe in in a team Um, and vice versa if you have a team of mostly introverts maybe i'm not the best person to put in that team so you know (laughs) it it helps i think uh, in that direction um what i ended up doing this time is to uh it's still in the working so it's a work in progress, but it's useful for what I'm going to say next. So I had a section that it was um, about the values that I have and a, another section that was about engineering skills. 
so all the things that I know, what I've worked on. So I don't know. Uh, I tried to make it a little bit more broader than just, you know, these are the tools that I've used. These are the frameworks that I know. One, Ruby and Rails. That's it. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it was also about a little bit more like architecture, the kind of topics that I've been uh interested or working on. So I, just, I don't know, scalable systems, um, uh, service-oriented architecture, uh, event-driven yeah. architecture, TDD as a, as a design method for, for, uh, for your work. So stuff like that. Where I'm heading with this is that as much as I, you know, put a couple of notes uh, of bullet points in there where I was saying that I've been leading a team of this many people that uh, I've been contributing to the company strategy and this and that. It wasn't too different from my individual contributor uh, version of the of the CV. Mm -hmm. And uh, in one of the thousand of slacks that I'm, uh, I'm I'm subscribed to, there's a channel in one of them that is called Vet My Resume. So you can just drop your resume, say the kind of position you would like to apply. And people can, you know, go there and critique it. And mm -hmm. I think it's a very valuable tool, especially because this particular Slack, uh, I'm going to send the, the the link later. It's one where there's li literally people from all over the world and all kinds of sizes of companies. Mm -hmm. uh, so you go from having managers like senior management at Slack uh, to um, the, I don't know, the smallest startup in uh, Hungary or New Zealand for that matter. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of a very varied um, audience. And uh, the one of the first feedback I got was that it was, it looked like an IC uh, CV. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? What is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, especially the part above is like, so one comment I got is like, your values are awesome, but they are very hard to disagree with. So the question is like, which what kind of value do they add to your CV? Mm -hmm. Because they are yeah. so shareable, so so understandable that, yeah, I'm not a piece of shit. It's like, and <laughs> 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 uh, on the engineering skills, it's like, those are, if this was a technical lead role, for example, they would make a lot of sense. But if you do apply, so they might still make sense in, in a certain context, but if you are applying for a leadership position, as an engineering manager, for example, or even for a more senior position, that's totally unnecessary. It's like that there's, that, yeah, that's what you know, but basically. who cares? Yeah. You're not going to mm -hmm. use it anyways. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a little bit on the architectural side that could still make sense uh, because it would potentially indicate the kind of setup that you're, you, you, were, you have been working with. So some problems that you might have faced as, as leadership. You know, like how do we roll out uh, 20 different services or uh, how do we go from a monolith to a service-oriented architecture? So those mm -hmm. are problems you are familiar with. But fundamentally, they don't add anything to the leadership part. And this is what I then got out of all this feedback. I didn't put enough emphasis on why am I a good leader? Mm -hmm. yeah. So where did I contribute it to the company there? Like there's a long list of things that I did but first of all, what was the outcome of those things I did? Because I could have done them, but, you know, they might not have been so useful. And on the other hand, there was not enough emphasis on the people management part that it's 
as a manager is a big big share of what you do mm-hmm. um, yeah on on another similar uh channel there was um one of the gurus of this channel he's a senior manager at, uh, at slack that that's what the person I was talking about before that right now he's starting to vet again like to look at a few um candidates that are coming in and it was like there's this one person that really uh struck me because in their cv what they wrote is like i got these many people promoted over this amount of time and mm-hmm. that is something that i didn't even think about to to add to to my cv mm, that's true yeah right like how do you measure but th- that's the interesting topic out of all of this it's again one of the questions that i've been playing around in my head how do you measure your um your impact as a manager <laughs> isn't right? it whose law is it i don't forget the name it's that when you start uh, measuring something useful it stops being useful yeah um, because people start <laughs> gaming it yeah it's always hard uh, yeah i don't remember the name <laughs> so uh that's the the outcome of my research uh or, or my experience uh, as of now i have to rewrite my cv as mm. a manager but it's also interesting because then i could potentially use one version of the, the the current version of this cv cleaned up a bit as uh something that if something like you know principal engineer staff engineer tech lead architect role comes about that's the perfect one you can still show some of your leadership skills but mm-hmm. you don't have to focus so much on the people part you have you know you have to make it more uh make the engineering skills a little bit more evident yeah yeah i mean when you really think about it it does make sense that you don't want to have just one cv but one that's mm. sort of targeted at what you are aiming for and yeah. sort of tell that story instead of putting everything into anything yeah the other things that i learned is that it's not fashionable anymore to have a one pager you need mm-hmm. two pages Okay. That's okay. More real estate. That's fine. Apparently, it's perfectly fine for very early positions to not be described at all. Like you just you just write what what, what your role was and how long, and that's it. The company, blah. Mm-hmm. They, people don't need after ten years of work. It kind of makes sense if you think about it. It's like yeah, so I guess so. Who that. knows if the company's even still around? Yeah, <laughs> and um. People do love bullet points. So now all the CVs, bullet points. Forget paragraphs, forget full sentences. Huh. None of it. Okay. And also the the intro, that's also not fashionable anymore. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I must admit, I didn't really show my CV for my new position because they already, already knew me and wanted to hire me. So I... I mean, if you think about it, That's the thing, like if you are not actively looking very often, you're going to be approached by people that you know and are trying to, you know, get to uh, get you just because they know you and they like you. Mm. And therefore, uh, then you don't need a CV most often than not. It's like or not as polished and not. Yes, as nice. just fine. Yeah, I mean, that that's one of the things that I think that's in every whatever hiring book or for candidates is that the highest chances are when you already know someone on the inside, right? 
Yes. And who's on your side? And this is why it's very important to do networking. Don't do networking because you have to do it. Like, it's not a chore. Mm. Um, it doesn't... Because that's the other thing. Like, if you are there just to make connections in the sense of like, oh, this is a potential partnership in the future, people do smell that. So yeah. you're not going to come as genuine because you're not being genuine. Like, yeah, your goal true. is that, you know, of getting something out of the others. Mm. And um, I mean, if you're genuine, in the end, you just start making a podcast with the other person, exactly. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You never know. You never know. Uh, but yeah, do hang out with other people in whatever form you prefer. Mm. It's like Slack, perfectly fine. Uh, they, if you are not for, you know, meeting people in person and going to meetups or if we will ever going to be able to do that again um <laughs> some at some point far in the future yeah yeah but i mean it also is a, a is a matter of time right because if you've worked for long enough in a field in a certain city at some yes. point you know most people at least yes. if if it's a, such a small uh, community like ruby and ruby on rails yeah i mean um two contacts out of the four that i got Last year, we're from the Italian Ruby community. Yeah. And the other thing was I sort of applied somewhere and then someone you know got the job, right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> It's a very it small is. world. <laughs> it is very small. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I'm hanging out uh, in there with, with Ruby in the hope that, you know, at some point we're going to be as rare as the people that know cobalt. how to <laughs> code the Voyager probe. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then we cannot retire because we are we are the only ones left. Yeah. yeah. So I that was a, actually, now we've basically circled back to uh, my topic again. Mm -hmm. And if you see it from the other side, now, if you've decided to leave, then what do you do? What, what, what should you spend the rest of your time on and um, to help the rest of the, your old company to succeed and do stuff. And I mean, I alluded to it, basically programming is probably not the most important part. I mean, you can't Correct. do that much. I mean, I have three weeks, there's not much you can do in that time. Um, and I've noticed that it is also hard to, I found it less valuable to give tours of the code and have people look through mm -hmm. that because I mean, I, I did that when when another developer left and it didn't help that much because you forget it so fast and then you need to go back and do the do the actual thing and that's how you learn but something a bit more higher level i guess here are the problems that i see and here's a possible architectural mm -hmm. decision on how we could do that that seems much more valuable to me definitely are there projects that you are um leaving in the hands of someone else? Yes. So there, there's one that I started maybe six months ago, sort of a, yeah, not necessarily microservice. It's too big to be called that maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But that one, that, that's in, that was, this is new. This is well, well designed. Um, for the last months, other developers have already worked on it. So that is not a, not a problem. They know enough. They know the design, they've changed some things, they've implemented some tricky things that I forgot to do. 
So I think that's in good hands. They, they should know what to do and how that works. Um, where it's maybe a bit more difficult is the stuff that I took over from the developer that left basically. Mm, yes. Um, they weren't that critical. There wasn't that much to do until two, three months ago, maybe. And then somehow the focus shifted a bit. And then I did a lot. And I mean, we're not such a big team. And now there are not that many other people who, who can do that or who, who have the, have, have already done that. And guess they will need to spend some time on it too. And that's where I try to basically fully form my thoughts on where I think the problems lie and what you could do about it, basically. Have you written down any documentation also maybe on current processes, uh, quirks of the application, how to do certain things within the code base? Like, oh, if you want to add X, this is where you should go and this is how you do it. Mm, actually, I haven't. No, not at that at that detailed level. Currently, I'm mainly thinking about uh, architectural changes. At least some of them are security related, so that should happen. Oh, yeah, and that's then, important. Uh, I guess. I mean, it's they are not that huge projects, so it should be possible to to look into all of that. And it's also not as bad that no one has ever touched the code and done anything but me. So okay. there's a second developer, maybe a bit more junior, who has already worked on it, but not in the last week. So yeah, that would have been my follow up question: like, how how's the boss factor? <laughs> Is it only you? Um... Mm, I mean, not quite but i guess the bus factor also depends on the size of the projects right yes i mean we have to, we have some python projects uh that are really tiny that i've mainly worked on because the others have javascript and ruby experience and i'm basically apart from the data scientists the one who has the most python experience but they are so small and we already talked about giving them up and moving stuff into one of the uh, ruby uh, apps so mm. I'm not really too much too worried about those. JavaScript stuff is just, yeah, it's a mix of they're bigger than where they use that much. And there's so much uh, odd legacy decisions in there <laughs> where yes. you just have to eventually spend the time to clean it up and say, okay, these were the five experience, uh, experiments we did. And that stuck and you did it without changing the other apps because you didn't know if it was a good idea. And now we have to move stuff around, shuffle it around and put it in maybe in a different app, some of it so that it's easier to do and less, less risky, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. As a manager, what, what I learned is that, so the first time around that someone left my team, um, I, I was tasked with because that makes sense, uh, to make sure that uh, this person could just, you know, wrap up whatever they were doing. And if there was something else that we should know to to know what, what where were the loose ends. Mm -hmm. And there weren't that many. But that person told me instead of writing it down. Mm -hmm. So by the time that 
you know, certain, we had to knew to know certain things, then it was too late because it was, uh, a lot of time had passed and we didn't know the details. Yeah. So we had to figure them out again. It wasn't mm-hmm. extremely difficult, but because it's kind of like intertwined with other, again, the complication of, you know, the complexity of having a service-oriented architectures that there's pieces of the logic here and there. It, it just depends, right? Um, and because it was something that was in the process of being migrated, then we had some legacy parts that were still in the original service that had to be moved. And we didn't know exactly which ones um, that were called by another service that then at that point didn't need it anymore, but it was there. So we need still to have it because then blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we had to, yeah, you know, like reconnect all the dots. And because at, then at that point in time, what we need were was that um, to fix something that wasn't working, the focus is not let's make it better. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like true. you have all these loose ends and also the friction to finish that thing. Now it's much higher because whomever worked on it is like so long gone. And it's like, then you have those parts of the code that do rot. It's like nobody knows how to touch them. Um, so this time around, what I did, I have one of my uh, senior engineers that is uh, that is living for... Uh, uh, Actually, of that, I'm quite proud of uh, for a team lead position. So mm-hmm. cool. Um, but uh, I mean, I would have been prouder if I would have been able to keep him and giving that position. But nevertheless, um, I made sure that was explicit. Again, set clear expectations. That's super hard. Um, just to remember, it's hard. It's not necessarily hard to set the expectation itself to make 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 it clear that I wanted that stuff in writing. Yeah. Which are the projects you have worked on? What are the loose ends? As you said, you know, like, oh, there's this thing that you need to think about. Maybe this is the problem here. That's, you know, some uh, loose end that you need to tie. Um, this needs to be migrated here and there. Uh, blah. And uh, I hope that that is going to reduce the chance of something going wrong uh, over time. Mm. And furthermore, I wouldn't call myself necessarily paranoid, but I did. Um, so for quite some time now, I'm trying to coach the people that I lead into making their knowledge as permanent as possible with a good trade-off between, you know, a balance between the time you spend writing stuff down and the, how often that thing is going to change, right? Because mm-hmm. if it changes every day, then you have to update two things and that doesn't make any sense. But, yeah. you know, describing high level how how to use a piece of code. How do you enable a part of the application to use this kind of service? Uh, you don't need to describe the code. You need to describe, you know, what to do but as if you it was a readme on any of the libraries that you have out there. It's like uh, also because if the interface of your code changes so fast, you have other problems. <laughs> That is true. So how how how's your team structured? Because it sounds like this is the approach you would take when you basically have one person who knows a piece of code. Yes. Right. So that's the thing. I have I am the engineering manager of a product team. And there I lead um 
seven engineers uh, in in the team. Mm-hmm. They do work. We do work on a specific area on 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 a goal for for our company. That's an objective. So we work mostly on the same topics. For historical reasons, there is one person that is uh, embedded instead that is staffed in what we call the engineering productivity crew. And you can see this team as kind of like um, SRE ops internal services mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, it's called the engineering productivity because the goal of this team is to enable the rest of the organization engineering-wise, to be as productive as possible. So imagine like this team is stuffed with people that know about CICD, that know about, uh, as I said, operations, so um, system administrator things, AWS, mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Um, so one of one of the people that I lead is in that team, and uh, he's one of the most senior uh, back-end engineer that, that we have. Uh, mm-hmm. And he is moving out. Uh, so he worked because he was in this team and because he was one of the most senior on things that are extremely specific to his, um, to to this work. So I don't know. Uh, he was the one uh, actively um, trying out uh, Ruby 3 on our current code base. It's like, what is going to go wrong if we want to adopt this? What should we do? Which tests do we need? to remove which ones do they still make sense yeah blah blah and then i have two other people in another team and this is for that's temporary this team is currently without an engineering manager and to help out uh with uh first of all the career of the people in that team and second with uh keeping the team as aligned as possible with the rest of the organization, then uh, among the engineering managers, we have split the team into smaller groups and each one of us has two more reports from from this team. So that's why I'm talking about, you know, this one person that is, you know, the... Historically, I've been uh, the backend lead. So before this role, I've been the backend lead. This means that all the backend people were reporting to me. Mm-hmm. And in that case... There was still, there was just, let's say, one person that was so vested and so interested in uh, um, in uh, keeping the platform up to date that, like, they would just go and do it uh, for everyone. So that's why they know, th- they knew the specific things. But also, and this is where the danger is, this person was one of those people that you would call a 10x engineer. Mm. Oh, no. Yeah. No, seriously. He was <laughs> adorable. He had his quirks. So, you know, like he's not necessarily an extrovert, uh, but he was a very nice person to hang out with. We had a lot of fun in out of work context mm-hmm. because he was so productive and so smart. Like this guy contributes both to Ruby and Rails. Like that's the kind of person we're talking about. Mm-hmm actively contributing more than once. It's not like, oh, there's a small patch here. Let me add a comma. Like, no. Um, He was so fast that very often he was used by the company, not because we wanted to, but because urgency reasons usually and because of pressure, as, you know, the tag team, the SWAT team. Oh, he's going to take care of it because he's fast, right? So he's going to fix 
this in like what three days or a month. Uh, but then what what would happen is that especially because these things weren't prioritized, this these projects weren't prioritized with the regular work of all the teams. Then what would ended up being is that this person would not because they wanted, but because that was the condition, they were the the owners and and the the knowledge keeper of so many things that nobody else knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that is that that's sort of the point I was going to towards because you can only write down so much, right? Mm-hmm. In the end, the best solution is that more than one person works on a certain project and then you sort of over time, I mean, in the beginning, it might be slower because the second person needs to still understand all that stuff and you might need to pair and do stuff. But over time, it's just, it just helps if you have multiple people work on it. And absolutely, at least that's sort of what we try to do with the one project I started. So in the beginning, I understand it's nice. I worked on it maybe for a few weeks exclusively to figure out the overall architecture and figure out how that could work. But then we sort of put it back into the normal process and we wrote stories. And then if someone else picked up the story, I basically paired with them for a bit to sort of help them and then mm-hmm. figure out where the points were, where the system wasn't well thought out and where we needed to change it and stuff like that. So that one, that one project I think worked pretty well. And then there's now, apart from me, there's two more developers who I think can comfortably work on that stuff. and understand it okay got it got it well that was very considerate of your of you yeah i mean we started as soon after the other developer left and mm-hmm. then they had that stuff javascript mess with me <laughs> yeah and then a new javascript developer started so it was even more apparent that we needed to change that there we for a while we tried out OKRs, and we even put that into some of our ah as some of our key results, how many people feel comfortable working on that project or think That's that they could. That's very nice. I didn't think about that as a metric, but that makes a lot of sense. Because you want to have that number higher than one, at least. Oh, yes. And we we sort of had two categories. One was critical parts of our infrastructure or project where if one of those systems goes down, the whole thing is down. Mm-hmm. And we tried to keep it at three. And the other one we said, yeah, let's at least do two. Yes, definitely. Makes sense. It Makes didn't sense. totally work, but at least you mm. regularly think about it and look at the at that stuff. But that's the thing, like going back to the concept of goals and OKRs, that's that's a target. That's that's what you aim for. You yeah. don't have necessarily to hit it all the time, but that's that's the, the thing you want to strive for. Exactly. Yeah. And at least it sets a certain level of ambition. Uh, mm-hmm. Right, and you just you. I mean, sometimes it's just enough that you get reminded of it. Sometimes yeah. instead of just forgetting until the person leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, that's that's why, for example, in my current team, that's what I'm doing. Uh, so I'm actively trying to. I even had a chat with uh, both the designer and the and the product manager. Mm-hmm. Because like when you pick people to work on something, I do understand that if you always pick the same person, they are the experts. Therefore, they're going to be super fast, right? In doing whatever you want. What you want to think about also is that, first of all, there's more people that could learn from that. So it's also, I do understand you're not their managers. So that's what I'm caring about. 
And I'm telling you, I need these people that don't know about specific things to also learn about those things. Mm -hmm. Because there's far more consequences if you don't let people learn. But also, it's also in your interest. Because if, God forbid, any of them leaves, then you're back at square one while running at a crazy speed. Because until now, it's like, okay, this person can do it, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a week. And then everything goes up in the air. So you always want to, you know, have, you can do this in many ways. You can have people pair. You can have people review each other's PRs. You can have one writing the code, the other documentation. Um, You can have uh, my favorite way of doing it. You can have people swap over time. So one sprint, this person is going to work on that. The next sprint, I mean, I'm saying one sprint, but it could be two or whatever. But, you know, one iteration, person A does that. Uh, Iteration number two is going to be person B. Mm-hmm. And they have to, you know, work as a as a well-oiled engine in between them. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other things that uh, that you're gonna get out of this. Uh, the code is gonna be more similar, so you don't won't have crazy differences in your code base because they would need to adapt and and learn how to work together. Blah blah blah. Yeah, so, yeah. Do that for everything as yeah. much as you can. Yeah, because the amount of learning is not going to go. It's just you either do it at the end all at once mm-hmm. or you sort of try to do it piecemeal in between when it's not as critical, I guess. Yes. So that's for today. Yeah. Yes. So leaving, preparing for someone <laughs> to leave starts basically when someone starts. At oh, the yes. Company. That, that is very true. <laughs> I like that. Yes. Uh, both for yourself as the person starting and leaving, as I said. Keep track of what you have done, of the things you have learned. And these m- might be things that you haven't been successful. That's that's a learning opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, But also as, as a company, make sure that your people are not the only one. That single person is not the only one knowing. Yes, that is, that is just so important, especially as you get bigger. You have mm-hmm. to... So, I mean, in the beginning as a small startup, it makes sense because you yeah. don't have the resources, but eventually you need to really be mindful about where you do it and if the benefits are really still worth it. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like a little bit of everything, like uh, how you shape your, your application, how you have your processes. As a startup, you can, you can go away with uh, many things that in other contexts are considered mistakes. Because again, it's a matter of trade-offs. Mm. Literally, that's technical and organizational debt that you pay upfront because you want to gain speed. Because yeah. that's the most important thing as a startup, right? You want to be out there and you want to validate your idea. You want to get you know your product out there to be tested. But as many people as possible, you're gonna you want to have people using your product so that you you know can earn a salary at some point. but after that get your shit together yeah that transition is is always the interesting bit that's sort of my my ideal that's the most fun bit for me actually Mm -hmm. i'm i'm not the person to come in early and do all that crazy stuff but it's fun to clean it all up eventually we should have a an episode on that (laughs) let's add it to the list (laughs) the inner cleaning lady (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right 
Okay. Um, I guess that is the end of this episode. Um, if you want to reach us, uh, mm -hmm. you can email us at hosts at expandingbeyond.it. We also have a Twitter account that I forgot the handle of, but it should be in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> and Monica, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at kfmolly with an I, uh, on GitHub or Dev2 near Nice. You can also write me uh, if you if you feel like I have a, uh, I have a personal email. So Monica, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna find. I'm going to write it in the show notes because my surname is not easy um, <laughs> at pm.me. Uh, so you can also write me there. Uh, but hosts at expandingbeyond.it works best. Cool. And you can also find me on Twitter as UJH. And even in the last month, I managed to write a blog post on my <gasps> blog, urbanhafner.com about stuff I want to do this year. And that might not work, but let's see <laughs> let's revisit it in a year basically <laughs> that's what you know that's how it's resolutions on the go. internet yeah. it's gonna be there forever yeah. you know that okay <laughs> all right okay so everyone thank you for listening and talk to you again next time thank you folks see you next time bye bye